0: The following is an at will presentation. Welcome to The Marrow, conversations with creatives about who they are and why they make what they make. I'm your host, Josh Reebok. The last time I was really competitive in, ath- in an athletic way mm-hmm. was uh, last summer. And I was challenged I was working in El Paso okay. or no, Corpus Christi, Texas, and a random guy challenged me to an arm wrestling match.
1: Wait, wait, wait. In a bar or no just no no like, no no you no. just walking down no, the street. No, like, like
0: I I just finished an event, so there's like there's all the, there's all these people outside like this, you know, auditorium. And randomly I get taken up to this. You know, place to arm wrestle. And immediately you kind of size the guy up physically, and you kind of know immediately this is the odds are not in my favor right. at this point. And long story short, about, you know, maybe eight to 10 seconds into this thing, there is a loud crack. Shut up. And the five surrounding faces are all looking at me, mouths aghast, eyes glazed over. And after about a two second delay, I look down at my arm, and then that. Bolt of lightning shoots from my fingertips to my shoulder, and I realize that this giant man has snapped my arm. And not the uh, I don't know what the bone is called that runs from your tibia, not yeah, not that. It's the it's your humerus, the bone that runs from your elbow to your shoulder. So it's a pretty big bone. He he snapped it. So, oh my God. so after that, when it came to competition, Nico, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that for the lumberjacks of the world and was... retire back to my, my writing desk.
1: Were you in? a Cast for like months, uh,
0: 12 weeks, Jesus, yeah. And I, uh, had to sleep sitting up for like five of them. Had to, uh, man, I mean, the, I mean, you know, a lot of painkillers for a long time, but I couldn't do anything like, I couldn't open a water bottle, I couldn't type. Um, in fact, the whole healing process just finished, it took uh, about a year All for right. it to be done. Yeah. Like, even if I was just doing push ups, like 10 months later my elbow would bruise and it would get all black because there was still a small fracture and it would, you know, ooze blood inside my arm and collect. Did it. you
1: Did you ever talk to the guy ever again? No. No? Well, he sent me a, sent me a text like, you know, sorry, bruh. <laughs> or, I mean, that's all I said. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? I don't know. I mean, I feel like if I broke somebody's arm when I was arm wrestling them, I feel like I would want to, like, check in <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, and check in like,
0: like here's hey, a balloon. Yeah, like, here's hey, some VHS tapes hey, bud, to watch like, while you get back on your feet. Been thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nico. Okay, so I'm from Illinois. You're from Illinois. Yes, yes, but what, but what was it? But what was it like growing up in? I mean, tell me about childhood, in Illinois. What was that like
1: for you? Um, hmm. well, I am from this big Italian family. You know, uh, my my mom owned a bar and an italian deli um so i kind of bounced back and forth from those two spots i mean there was like a bedroom in the bar growing up um i don't know i mean we had like three houses on the same block and uh not my family not like my immediate family but all of my family lived on the same block and we it was Straight up, like scenes from my big fat Greek wedding, all the fucking time. You know, I mean, seriously, y'all are close. Yeah, 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 like grossly close in the best (laughs) way possible. Um, I don't know. I I love that I grew up in the Midwest. I feel like, or Chicago specifically, I feel like you kind of get the 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 best of all the worlds of the big city without getting too much of it. You know, Mm -hmm. and then you go to New York City and you go to Los Angeles and I feel like you can appreciate that more than the people that actually grew up in those cities, you know?
0: Yeah. What what
1: were you like as a
0: kid? I mean, in the in the middle of this fire, you know, just like exploding Italian family in the Midwest. Like what describe to me, you know, little boy Nico here.
1: I mean, he was loud. He he knew what he wanted and he like fought his way through it all. Um, I don't know I I grew up playing hockey and um, as soon as I got on stage for the first time and realized it's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life like there was nobody that was gonna stop me hmm. like I remember being in the back of my mom's car and it was my mom driving my aunt in the front seat and my grandma in the back with me and they were all like t- explaining to me how difficult my life would be if I you know wanted to do this and how... Hmm. One in a million people make it. I was like, I don't care, fuck you! Screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> how how old were you? Like that nine, way? probably. <laughs> <laughs> the, the language in our house was was nothing PG. That's yeah. for sure.
0: Now, I mean, was it was it that early in life when you really connected with the art of, of acting?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: What was it like? I mean, you said you were in a show. Like, what
1: what show were you in? It was The Wizard of Oz at the Wilmette Children's Theater. And I was a fucking munchkin. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's all it took. Seriously, dude. I was just on stage mm. and I just like knew the power of the stage. Mm. I, it Once you get a taste of it and if it like means that much to you, you, I don't know. I, I could never imagine doing anything else. Now, even
0: before that, I mean, were there were there uh, things you had seen either on stage or film or television that you just that that you can recall, like kind of speaking to you in a way that other things didn't?
1: Mm, I mean, the Mighty Ducks was like <laughs> probably changed my life. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Anything, west of us, <laughs> uh, right? Seriously, <laughs> D two specifically. Oh like, yeah.
0: you lost it for me, Gunner.
1: Uh, ex- oh, dude, <laughs> stellar. That was stellar. Um, no, I mean, I. I didn't grow up going to the theater. Like, there's Mm. nobody in my family that is like of the arts Mm. in any way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, I loved watching movies, you know. Um, But I I mean, there wasn't really one that I can think of that like it was like, okay, this changed my life. This is what I'm going to do forever besides The Mighty Ducks. But
0: that moment, but being on stage in The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, dude. It was
1: just the immediate response from an audience and like that relationship back and forth it's you there's nothing to compare it to that yeah. i've experienced
0: yeah did you have the ability or do you now even have an ability to be vulnerable in front of a camera on a stage that you don't when you're just in an interpersonal setting
1: mm no no i don't think that i don't i think um, i think the secret to being a good actor is to play your vulnerabilities in both the waking life right and the stage screen life and it them not being different bringing your vulnerability to your character's vulnerability
0: yeah yeah that sounds really hard Nico
1: yeah I mean I can understand how it sounds hard you have <laughs> to make it like seamless you it
0: sounds it it sounds great I mean it certainly there's a part of that in in any art form I mean or for me like there's a there's a dimension of that in writing but I'm not necessarily doing that in the moment in front of people. Totally. I get to do that privately between, like, me and an electronic object called a keyboard that later, you know, right. gets in front of people. But I'd, I'm not there. not there. So there's there's more of a barrier between me and the way that someone interacts with that vulnerability in me.
1: Do you sit and read reviews of your writing?
0: Um, I mean, of course. I mean, sometimes... It, but it but it feeds different reasons. Like sometimes I'll intentionally read bad reviews. Right. I mean, there's this, you know, masochistic gene in me, or or to speak to your com- competitive kind of uh, ember in you. Sometimes I do it because I need it as motivation. Right. Like I read those things that will kind of gnaw on me mm-hmm. because I know they'll help me show up at the keyboard, and I know they'll help me get better. Um, but then other times I need something soothing. Like I need I need that external reminder um, that it's worth it. And and on a lot of days, I feel like I, I have an internal um, love for it enough to show up. But there are days when when I don't and there's a day, there's a lot of days when the discouragement that I have, or the frustration I have, or the failures I have, eclipse my motivation to show up again. And I just I just need like, a few words you know I just need a few words of someone going hey this this meant something to me right. and sometimes that's that's enough
1: are there like blogs or message boards where people like, talk about your book specifically like back and forth i hope not no i mean i've yeah, re- have you found any <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: i i really uh I really hope not. <laughs>
1: I mean, have you ever gone on to Reddit and just, like, Googled your name? You know,
0: I've—I mean, I mean, let's just get this out on the table. If there is anything that has been invented in the last two years, I don't know about it. Or if or if I know about it, I certainly really? don't know how to do it. Oh, yeah. interesting. It, oh, yeah. You I, feel like
1: you're an old man with your phone sometimes?
0: Well— I do all that. I, I mean, as an example, I was out—my wife and I were out uh, with drinks for a, a couple the other night, and they were, like, 24 and 25, and we had met the guy and never the girl. And so we're sitting there down in the West Village at— uh Oh, what's that place called? Not down from Whitehorse. Upright Brewhouse. Okay. So we're sitting there, and we had never met her. And so maybe 20 minutes into the conversation, I'm sure I had made a a few antiquated references to something. And so she leans across the table to our bald-headed friend, and I can hear her whispering. I I have this knack for eavesdropping. Oh, nice. And she leans over, and she says, how old is he? (laughs) And he responds back in a whisper-not-whisper, really old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's like straight up a scene from that Ben stiller Adam driver movie
0: <laughs> that's what it felt like yeah. that's what it felt like it's like okay so maybe I don't know like yeah I I, I just so so when it comes to to something like reddit to what you referred like I I don't and I'm, I'm, I'm not there
1: what did you were you like talking about myspace or something no
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't it wasn't technologically oriented I think it was probably something about like uh, to film to or books or something. yeah I was like well, I remember my toboggan. No, nothing like that. Like I think I was I was talking about a movie or something. I was like, "Oh, it's amazing." And and I'm and maybe I said it had just come out, but it'd come out in like okay. 2003 or something. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's understandable though.
0: Are you are you a, are you pretty inclined in terms of like what's new? Are you pretty engaged in in what is moving forward?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I would like to think so. I think that I have like my niche interests. Um but yeah, I would like to think so. I like to know what the kids are doing, you know. You like to know what
0: the kids are doing. Yeah. Speaking of kids, I have a question for you yeah, about about kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is where we're gonna make a right turn in a conversation <laughs> here. That's okay, right? Yes. I'm I just like gonna downshift <laughs> and then hit the clutch, and off we're gonna go. I love it. You said as a kid, and and I think there's so I think there's more to you as a, as a kid that I, that I want to know about. And so my the question that that comes to mind is, do you remember the first time you were in love?
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I. I mean, there's, like, a handful of memories of, like, the love memories of being really young. I remember the first time, like, I felt this full body, like, visceral explosion. Um, not the first time that I had an orgasm. but <laughs> 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 No, this first time, like, I really felt like, oh, yeah. wow, like, I am completely infatuated with this girl. Um, I was probably, I want to say it was, like, third grade and uh it was this new girl from from a different town that moved in and i was like straight up chasing her at recess on the playground for like a full hmm. half hour right like like a violent chase like this wasn't <laughs> like like <laughs> do, 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 yeah. do, do. <laughs> and i like i had this brown leather jacket i'll never forget and i like threw it in the corner of this like asphalt area and the bell rang, and I like went to go get my jacket and she was like storming towards me. Tables have turned, and I was like, "Oh fuck, like <laughs> she's gonna punch me like she is gonna hit me, and she just walks right up to me and kisses me is the first like wow. time I've ever been kissed um and i it was, yeah, it was just like a holy shit feeling, yeah, right, I mean that wasn't like you know me in love for the rest of my life type of feeling but i remember it was just like i'd never felt anything like that before it was great how would you define love how would i define love yeah like like
0: what what is love to you
1: yeah um love to me Mm. means it, it really just like unconditional no matter what support for whoever it is that you love whether it's yourself Family or your loved one Mm. or your fucking dog. I mean, it doesn't matter who it (laughs) is. I think that like shit happens with everybody. And I mean, not not everything is like super positive, but if you can look at those situations and love them too, like Mm. that's love. When is a time in your life
0: when you've needed that love to kind of propel you through a difficult time? I mean, all the time.
1: I don't think a day goes by that I don't need it from somewhere. Yeah, from somebody, whether it's my mom or even myself. Just you know, giving myself a pep talk <laughs> every day. Yeah, I mean, I think that I like I run on love.
0: I think sometimes I do, and then sometimes I r- I run away from it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like I don't know. I mean, depending upon which philosopher, or artist, or Pundit, you read, it's like they can paint love as such this glorious, warm thing, and then and then as real brutal thing. And I don't know if anybody's right. I mean, it's like what Charles Bukowski said, love is a dog from hell, Mm -hmm. you know. And then you know you you read about Romeo and Juliet, where it's like you know the stars and these this kind of cosmic force. And I mean, I think I don't know. I'm I'm sure you have too. It's like. What makes love so brutal is that it has the potential to be so benevolent and wonderful. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, what's so maddening about it is that it can be so miraculous, and then it's like, when
1: it's not, it's it's really, it's really devastating. Yeah, I mean, I think love is practical more than it is any other high or low. It's like, you know, it's like a human being. Some days are better than others. <laughs> and that's it. If you just, like, know that and you don't have any expectations of what love is, then I think that you will protect yourself but if you have these like fucking you know big old fantasies and romeo and juliet stories like you're never going to be satisfied
0: yeah absolutely my my first love was uh that i recall anyway i mean maybe there, there was one that has you know slipped from my recollection but was this girl in seventh grade and her name was jamie okay and she was my first kiss great and, I mean, completely cliche. I mean, I wasn't looking to be avant-garde with our, like, love narrative or anything. So our first kiss was on the back of a school bus. Nice. Um, I wrote my first poetry to her. And, uh, you know, I, actually with my wife now, I think I think when we were um, going through my parents' house one day, we, you know, exhumed some of it. Nice. <laughs> and it needed to stay dead, but we exhumed it. And I, and, and on the one hand, it's like, you know, you laugh at it. But then at the same time, I, I don't know if those feelings that I had for her, at least in my mind, were any less valid than the thoughts I have for my wife now. I no. mean, it's like I genuinely believed then the things that I was I was telling her. And, you know, you can call it naive or whatever, but, um, I mean, it's like, what's the movie? Love Actually?
1: Yeah,
0: You know, when that little boy and his dad, Liam Neeson, and he's telling him, he's like, you know, I mean, it, it's cool because you're kind of seeing like, I mean, it's like raising the question, can someone be too young to fall in love?
1: I think absolutely not. I mean, I think like any feeling when you're that young is valid to a certain extent, you know? I mean, I think as we get older, we just have more experience. And I think that we're like, you know, we're let down more by the world. So we're jaded as fuck. And if you could like revert to that childhood mentality and enthusiasm... You know, and that's kind of where I live in my head. Hmm. I I, f- I feel like I'm always just this like kid just running around,
0: being yeah. happy about shit. It's, you, it, you, the way you describe yourself, and I, I love it, and I wish I wish everybody could see like, because to hear you is so great, but to see you talk about it too, there's just like a real. Uh, you talk about these things even in your face with such affection, oh. you know. But I mean, do you? Would you describe yourself, or do you think of yourself as being? Um, someone who's primarily moved by your emotions like when you think about the rudder of your life is it emotion and instinct that tends to guide you
1: yeah 100 um i think the only time it doesn't is when work is involved really like business work Mm. um but yeah i mean i think it has a lot to do with the way that i was raised i mean everybody in my family they might not be in the arts, but we are passionate folk. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, we were raised to wear it all out hmm. for each other. Nobody else could ever see it. This was yeah. all for the family, you know. And hmm. I was the first one to be like, fuck that. Hmm. I want everybody to see this.
0: Hmm. Are there particular emotions on that spectrum that you connect with more? Like, are you, for example, are you more prone to get angry or to cry?
1: Mm, uh, cry, for sure. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah I'm a big crier.
0: Like how like how often are we like talking? every day really yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean I I can watch a commercial and fucking cry seriously hmm. Hmm. I'm not like crying about my life on a yeah. daily basis yeah. but um, anger is the hardest emotion for me to connect to actually I would say like if I'm doing a movie or something and I have to be really angry it's the hardest one for me to get to the why only do
0: you, b- why do you think that is.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that I'm an angry person. You know, mm. I think that there are a couple of people in my life that like, I have the ability to go there with, um, and I, I hate it. It's mm. like my least favorite feeling. Happiness is the first one that I go to. It's probably, it's like where I live.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I don't know
1: if I could say the same thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think a lot of people really can. Hmm. That sucks. Hmm.
0: Can you think of a of an era of your life when that kind of radiant sense of joy or happiness wasn't your prominent sentiment?
1: Yeah, when I was drinking too much. Hmm. When mm-hmm. was that? Um I mean the worst of it was a couple years ago. I'm almost two years sober now.
0: Congratulations. Thanks. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it feels good. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah. No, when like when alcohol took over, I mean I think alcohol is the easiest way to diffuse any type of happiness. Hmm. You know, it feels good for a little bit until it doesn't at all. Hmm. Hmm. What was the unhappiness driving you there? I don't know that it was driving me. I think it was like stopping me. I think that um I think I don't know, I got just stuck in looking for happiness in the wrong place. Hmm. That's it. I like, you know, I was in a car like in a maze hitting the wrong fucking wall every time hmm. instead of just turning around.
0: Hmm. What was the what was the uh, rock bottom moment for you in that?
1: Um, I mean, there were a few. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you hit one rock bottom and broke through it and found another bottom. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I have look, I've dealt with addiction like a handful of times in my life and falling in and out of it. You know, it's just, you know, when you know. Yeah. Um or you don't. And then you die. <laughs> yeah, right. And that could have happened. Yeah,
0: right. I have a uh, my my dad my dad was an alcoholic and I I remember, I mean, you know, he's he's been dead now more than 9 years, but oh, sorry. Um I mean, it's still Yeah. It's still Freaks me out a lot. Do you drink? I do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there are times when I I worry. I I'm I'm pretty moderate. Um, um, like I don't I don't drink daily or anything like that. But it's more it's more I just know that you know the echoes of his addictions are in me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that um, and I've seen in my life how when. I start to spiral internally I just want to shut it off Mm -hmm. you know and so it's me knowing um, that I have a vulnerability not not just necessarily to alcohol but to um, some of the you know the the proverbial demons that haunted him and for him alcohol was just how he chose to shut them off he tried to drown them right you know and um, And and I love my dad dearly, but I, you know, it it always moves me when I, you know, get to sit with somebody or hear from somebody who, um, you know, has navigated those landmines that could have really, like, completely imploded who they are and they're, I mean, like now, and I get to sit across the table from you and I go, man, like, that's, like, we've known each other for all of, I don't know, 16 minutes or whatever (laughs) it's been at this point, but... I don't know, like, that's ins- that's inspiring for me, and like, from from a relative stranger, Nico, like, yeah. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, but
1: You know, it's that's definitely not easy. I mean, you know, especially like living in a city like this and working in the business that I do. You know, drinking's a part of life everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I just. Smoke a bunch of weed instead. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you consider
0: would you consider that the greatest obstacle you've overcome in your life?
1: Yeah, I would. I think it's the greatest obstacle I've ever had in my life. I don't think there's been anything more troubling than that. I haven't really like I don't know anybody that's ever died. I don't. Um, I've I've had a relatively like I would say lucky life. Hmm. Not. There hasn't been anything terrible that's happened to me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, knock on, knock on the old table. Right? <laughs> knock on this per mica table. <laughs>
0: but that's a great perspective to have. Yeah. I mean – I mean, because it, it's not like your life has been—I mean, far from perfect,
1: right? I mean, you, yeah, shit. You know, I mean, shit has happened, but I refuse to like play victim to it. It's really what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, would would you consider your your outlook on life? I don't—I don't, I don't want to call it optimism because I think optimism sounds like a an, an external shell. I think it seems like there's a greater flame within you. You know that keeps you going but would you consider that sense of
1: yeah it's like it's a passionate optimism yeah yeah there's
0: a buoyancy to you you know that you're not you're not gonna sink and when stuff happens you know you're gonna go on would you consider that one of your best attributes yeah
1: for sure um i think it yeah i think it it really is that just like driving force um i love it I, i mean there's no other way to live in my eyes yeah Like, what's the point? If you're like, if you're not team you, what the fuck is the (laughs) point? Yeah. (laughs) Seriously.
0: Well, let me, let me ask you this because you have that within you. What does, what does break your heart?
1: Mm. My family has the ability to break my heart more than anybody else. I feel like just because I've been with them the longest, you know, Um, more than anything, I would say what breaks my heart is when I see people hurting themselves, not on a like physical level, but like not taking care of themselves properly Hmm. emotionally, Hmm. whether it's my mom or a stranger, you know, Hmm. it's the whole gamut because I know, I know what it means to to take care of yourself and it sucks to see that other people don't, you know?
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: I wish I could just like, whoosh, just like blast it off to everybody. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. You know?
0: Yeah, well, I'm getting some of that across the table cool. right take now. It, take it. You feel that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but that, I don't know. I mean, we were we were talking about this before we even um, came in here. But but your ability to do that is in, is in part um, fostered by an outlook on life beyond just your own life. I mean, it's seeing. The world around you right and not just being so inward focused that you're kind of blind to the beauty yeah. right beneath your feet
1: i mean look i'm very inward focused right let's <laughs> not let's not be ridiculous yet. um but i think you have to you know you have to take the fucking world for what it yeah. is and you and how it affects you and i don't know i i, I refuse to see the world as negative that's it
0: yeah Nico, if you and I sat in a dark room together, one of us would drive each other insane. I think it. so. <laughs> I, I, tend to, I tend to be on the, I don't know. I actually, cons- I would consider myself an optimist, but I, that optimism for me is achieved a lot of times through pondering bleak things, you know?
1: Right. And I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, for sure. Like, I get <laughs> it. I watch TV, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> Right i don't know man (laughs) but i love that yeah i mean that's
0: a that's a great thing
1: there's got to be both of us for the real story yeah that's
0: right we're all trying to we're all trying to hopefully enhance not only ourselves but the world around us that's it okay here's a fun here i got i got a question for you all right if you had a small wooden box okay with a very strong lock on it Mm -hmm. and you could only put one item in it what item would go in that box Everything else is going to be charred and turned to ash, but you have one item that you can preserve in this little wooden box. What's going in it? What's the treasure, so to speak?
1: Like how small is this little wooden box? It can be be a big box. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's
0: bottomless, but but only one thing could go in it.
1: I can't put a person in this box.
0: You could put a person in it. We'll say that.
1: We can put a person in this box? Yeah, I mean, we'll punch
0: holes in the top. I mean, you know, nothing morbid here, but yeah, it can be a person.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to put my woman in that box.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she would be the the one thing you'd want to hang on to.
1: Yeah, for sure. Material, anything, is all, you know, it's all great. But if you don't have somebody to share with, I don't know, what's the point?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you definitely connect strongly with other people, huh? For sure. For sure. Do you ever get lonely?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I I cherish my time alone, even if I am lonely in it. I, I spend a lot of time alone. I think I spend more time alone than I do with other people.
0: Uh, yeah. Is that a result of work? Like just the schedule of your life? Yeah, Creates probably. Some isolation?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I am at work, it you have to like turn the switch on right and yeah. be alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. And <laughs> when I like get home from it. It's like, just yeah, be alone for a second. Yeah. And to f- I mean, I've said this before, but to, to find somebody that you can spend the rest of your life with and you can yeah. be alone with, you yeah, know, that's right. like, that's love.
0: Yeah. That's like your safe place, right? Totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the place where you don't need to be anything at all. Mm-hmm. One of my, my wife's uh, relatives was in town. Not long ago, and we were eating sushi, and we were at this sushi bar, and our kind of party of six people snaked around the corner. And so he and I were almost like sequestered away right. from the from the, the dominant the conversation.
1: It's the quickest way to get the, the sushi <laughs> guy's attention,
0: though. It is. it is. I wish I could say I'd been that strategic, but I think I was just like a slow walker into the place. <laughs> but but one of the things we were talking about, we were having this conversation about what does— busyness cost us, you know, I mean, you're talking about this ability to be alone with somebody and to kind of retreat from the demands that um, either New York City or wherever we may live or our bills or even our career expectations and ambitions may put on us. But the conversation he and I were having was what does busyness, what does our lack of solitude cost us like personally, internally? What does it cost you when you don't take the time to retreat from all that's happening around you?
1: I think self-awareness. I think that um, if you don't understand who you are and the way that you think about things and like the, the way that you feel um, and like have a sense of humility through all of it, like there's no way you are going to be able to survive the busy life Uh, with any type of like calmness Mm. Uh, you gotta like listen to yourself you know Mm. you gotta like take care of yourself and respond to your feelings and like right. deal with right. it yeah because if you don't nobody else is going to yeah you can go to therapy as much as you want and that's like a beautiful thing yeah you right. can like talk to your wife you can you know talk to your mom you can talk to a bunch of people but like unless mm-hmm. you know what you're saying mm-hmm. and why you're saying it yeah none of it fucking matters
0: what's the whole thing they my my wife taught me this a few years ago she was saying you know if ever i got a headache my instinct was just where's the advil where's the advil yeah and until she started telling me, she's like, well, hold on a second. Like a headache is an indication that there's something going on in your body. So the best thing isn't necessarily just to mute it. To it. But let's let's engage that. And I think it's similar emotionally. Like a lot of times it's like, I'm mad, I'm heartbroken, I'm excited, I'm, or I'm whatever. And when these things do kind of surface, I think for portions of my life, the instinct has been stifle it, mute it and move on rather than going, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on in me? that when someone makes this remark, I get angry? Or what is it in me that when I see this kind of relationship in a stage production or while I'm walking in a park that it moves me to tears? What is it about that that I connect so deeply with rather than just skirting it, <laughs> but actually engaging it and finding out what's actually going on? I mean, in the headache case, in my biology, in the emotional case, like in my own like heart, like what's actually
1: going on? You know. <sighs> Space. It's my favorite. <laughs> so w- will you get mad before you cry?
0: You know, I know. I, uh, um, I, I you don't t- seem like an angry person. No, I, I wouldn't consider myself an angry person. Um, I, I tend to be more prone to tears than fury, okay. um, certainly. I find something actually really comforting in tears, even if there's a sorrow to it to some extent because it just like i don't know there's a there's a humanity in that there's that, a healing th- yeah yeah and and there's something about like um even when i'm in you know even if i'm alone even if i'm not doing it in the presence of another person like i actually find something really comforting about being moved to tears and there's there's a uh, i mean not just a catharsis that happens but there's just a um a comfort i find in being connected enough to my internal life mm-hmm. To cry, yeah. like I think it feels good for me when my emotions are connected to my biology, and that I'm I'm inviting them enough to produce tears, yeah. Rather than just telling them to go in the corner and shut their mouth,
1: yeah. Like, the wires are working, like yeah. things are connected. Yeah, I'm know? I'm an integrated
0: being. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I, I like that. I mean, when I when I get angry, I will get angry, um, and anger is a good thing.
1: Who do you get angry? At the uh, most me. I mean, definitely yourself. me.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, me or like, you know, the Chicago Bears or you know, <laughs> something, you know, something like that. But, you know, like um, but but for me, the, the notion that anger is somehow this poisonous emotion, I don't I don't agree with that. I think just like sorrow can lead someone to unnecessarily dreary places. I think anger can unnecessarily lead us to really violent actions or really. Um, you know, catastrophic words or whatever, but at the same time, uh, anger can produce healing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you think of whether it, it's been a, um, you know, a social movement or a cultural shift or um, a great work of art or a change in a in a community. A lot of times, those things are prompted by a sort of like I mean, you call it indignation or like a righteous anger. Where you go, this isn't right, and it makes me mad. But rather than going doing something destructive, it's it's propelling me to create change, um, and to, to hopefully bring healing maybe in me or maybe in the world around me. And so I don't for me, I don't want to, you know, suffocate the anger in my life. It's more asking how can the anger I feel, even maybe about something that isn't worth it, how can I leverage that towards something that is? Right. You know? And so, um, but my natural inclination is to go towards sorrow, Yeah. You know. I mean, what was that movie? The Pixar film Inside Out about yeah. oh, about so the emotions good. and everything. Saw and it
1: three times in the movie theater.
0: Did sure. you did yeah. you try? <laughs> yeah, <for Uh-oh. laughs> every time. <laughs> what what did you what did you like about it?
1: It's an incredible movie. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's the most basic understanding of human nature for children, you yeah. know, but like clearly for adults too. Yeah. That I, I don't know, it's just, it's just great. It's a great movie. And I, and I
0: love, I mean, other than I love, like, just, like, the, you know, idiot, you know, idiosyncrasies and the eccentricities of the movie and all that stuff, I just loved how they created a sense of value and worth for each emotion mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, you know, if we were watching, like, a 1950s or 60s, you know, Disney cartoon, it would be like, be happy, be happy, be happy, be happy. Right. And then it's like we all become mannequins in the mm-hmm. process. But this is going, no, like... Each of these is a, each of these emotions is a wondrous part of who you are, and they, they need each other. They
1: need each other. You can't survive without all of them. I can't wait for the sequel. I hope they are do they making it. a they sequel. Fucking better. I'm gonna <laughs> write a letter. Expand the emotions. No, add y- a couple more. Well, yeah, as she gets older too, yeah, right? You know, because I mean, she like oh, yeah. she like meets the boy right at the end of the first one. Yep. So like love is just starting. Like love isn't even really an emotion. Yet. Yeah, right. Um, there's yeah, there's so much more. Like the adult version of Inside Out the R-rated version of Inside Out let's fuck with that
0: <laughs> I think that movie is called like There Will Be Blood or something yeah right <laughs> we should just like do yeah, that movie's called Bronson <laughs> yeah
1: we should just write the live action version of it
0: okay if we were to do that well I mean give me the give me the opening scene here alright I mean, let's, let's break it down like just opening scene
1: alright like like okay so it's we've it's... just
0: seen the Tortorella films that disintegrates into the background you know Trent Reznor doing the score. It starts to build. Now we open up on a,
1: <laughs> on a dude. All right. Um, okay. I think he's in bed. He's like waking up. He's hung over from the night before. This isn't me. We're talking about like. <laughs> yeah. really dude. He's hung over from the <laughs> night before, and he's like, you know, like waking up. He's checking his phone. Like life is starting. It's like too bright. He has a headache, and then like. It goes into his head, and like all these fuckers are just like fighting with each other. Like, yeah. like, like, hangover is an emotion, you know? Like, <laughs> he's just like, like banging on the walls. Two of exes his brain. over his yeah, eyes. Totally, just <laughs> piss He's a fucking asshole. We right? see
0: all that fade to black. Boom, title, and now off we go. Outside. He's on, he's on it. He's got the briefcase. Outside. Shuffling in. his way off to work.
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: Is that a character you would relate to? Would you like to play that character in a <laughs> yeah, film?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, for sure.
0: What's, of, of all the characters you've played, <laughs> you know, Scream 4, um, Hunter and Game, you were in The Following, now you're in Younger mm-hmm. on TV Land. I mean, of all, the, of all the characters you've played, I mean, is there one in particular that you went, maybe not that you loved to do it most, but that you saw the most of yourself in this person?
1: The most of myself in yeah. the person? Mm-hmm. Okay um yeah probably josh on younger is definitely the most like me um carson in hunter and game there was a lot of me did you see that movie Mm -mm. Uh, i I read
0: all i read about it though and it sounds it sounds incredible i'm a
1: fucking mess in that Mm -hmm. movie that was like probably the peak of my using was when i was Mm -hmm. filming that movie Mm -hmm. um My character was a drug addict, Mm. alcoholic, DJ, right? Mm. So I was, I just, I just went for it. I was fucked up the entire time we were shooting that movie. Mm. Um, So I think that like, you know, when you're you're fucked up, like there's a rawness to your emotion that is like, it's there. You can see it on anybody that's fucked up, right? Mm. And I think in that movie... I mean, I, I still, to this day, have a hard time watching it, like, if it's ever on or anything. Mm-hmm. There's so much of me in that movie that, mm-hmm. like, is the part that, like, mm-hmm. I am not the proudest of, you mm-hmm. know? But mm-hmm. in terms of performance, like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right.
0: You don't necessarily want to replicate that from a personal sense, but it certainly... I did it. it. certainly it's produced done. some great art on screen. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah, and then you said this Josh character, too, in Younger, mm-hmm. the tattoo artist. <laughs>
1: yeah I mean he's like he is a dude driven by love I don't know that necessarily he was like originally supposed to be written that way <laughs> yeah but I think like yeah. as soon as I started playing it and that started mm-hmm. coming through um, the way they write for me now is yeah I mean he like he speaks like I speak he I I think he thinks like I think you know what I would love to see you play tell me
0: I mean there's a there's a number of things but if we could go back in time, I mean, again, me being an old man here, so <laughs> just bear bear with me. I may reference the 90s here in a second. Co- <laughs> Coach Bombay? <Yeah. laughs> yes, yes, yes. If you could be Coach Bombay, I mean, let's just reboot that whole thing. Wait, hold on.
1: I have an idea. Hold on, hold on. Real quick. I have an idea of of, of writing Coach Bombay's story right before he gets arrested for his DUI like mm. like while he's living in New York as a lawyer. Yeah, right. Called the mighty fuck. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we'd be put Pointing that towards a different demographic totally, than the totally. original. <laughs>
1: There's a theme going on here, if you can't tell. If you,
0: if you watch a few Emilio Estevez movies, though, yeah. like through the '80s and '90s, I'm pretty sure he's playing the same character just in different iterations oh, and eras. percent. I mean, when he's Andrew Clark in the Breakfast Club, and he's the wrestler, and he's all frustrated, but then he really starts to blossom and bloom. I mean, that's just young Coach Bombay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Totally. <laughs> Until
1: Night at the Roxbury, anymore, he was just playing himself. And was like, <laughs> all right, yeah, you are going to that club. Right no, now, this, this is one of my
0: one of my favorite. Uh, performances in any film I've ever seen. I said I was going to reference the '90s, which of course was a lie. I'm going to go back even further. I believe this film was '84, '85. You know, doesn't really matter. It, it has sort of a uh, eternal quality. John Hughes' Breakfast Club. I would love to see you play. I love Judd Nelson in the Breakfast Club playing Jonathan Bender. I would love to see you play Jonathan Bender because he's this kind of. Uh, I don't know when I when I observe the character. He is this very, very um, violent, Mm -hmm. um, covered individual who lashes out in anger and pushes everyone away. But beneath all that, there is this really, really tender core that seems to, to what you said before, be driven by this, this desire for love. I would love to see you play that.
1: That's kind of who I was on the following. Hmm. I mean, I was a serial killer, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, very violent. Yeah uh but yeah i mean that dude that dude loved love that's like yeah what drove him more than anything he actually never he never killed anybody but he like ran in that circle you know Mm -hmm. very similar to what you're saying
0: yeah that would be good i think that would be pretty interesting i don't know what we do with the remainder of the cast but but I think I would I would just really be intrigued to see you – I would be intrigued to see you do anything where it requires you to travel a long way emotionally yeah. to do it, you know?
1: Me too. I mean, those are my – you know, that's the goal. I want to play crazy more.
0: You know, Allen Ginsberg, the poet from the 50s yeah. and 60s and – in subsequent decades too.
1: When I heard your poetry, that's I was like, dude, he sounds like Ginsburg.
0: Oh no! Please don't slander Ginsberg by saying <laughs> that. But, <laughs> Alan, I think it was sorry. more your voice too. <laughs> but he, one of my favorite things he said. It's actually, it's actually the uh, the background on my phone is he said, uh, "Follow your inner moonlight. Don't hide the madness." Mm. I love that. It's like, I suppose it, it ties in a little bit with that. All those emotional conversations. Like right. there's this there's this idea of like whatever that madness in it's like no circumvent that get to what's more like societally normal totally rather than like engage that and follow that because that that could be the most wondrous thing you bring into the world like that may be the most unique thing about you for sure is what you may look at and consider what other people may look at and consider madness
1: well, I mean, Hunter S. Thompson said, if, you know, if you're going to be crazy, you better get paid to be crazy, <laughs> yeah. or else you're going to be locked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I think that's, that's right. what we're doing. Here are the <laughs> options. Make
0: something awesome or sit behind bars, yeah. right? <laughs> thanks thanks so much for coming on, man. Everybody check him out on Younger on TV Land. Thanks so much, Nico.
1: Much love, for the man.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Marrow. To find me on social media for upcoming live appearances or to buy a book, you can visit joshrebach.com. Please join me again next week.
1: My name is Nico Tortorella. Listen to my podcast called The Love Bomb, where we celebrate love. Right here, every Tuesday on At Will Radio.